Hello and welcome to episode 144 of the Naked Tech Podcast. It's the show that gives you everything you need to know about consumer tech, the internet, and all things random IDs. I'm your friend Jeff Kim. My name is Calvin Lee and Yuck Elska's Fridge. Yes, that that yeah. one. That is that yeah, you, your new baby's name or something or what's what's going on there? No, that's uh, I love Sweden in Swedish. Oh, I love Sweden. Does that is that the worst impersonation of a Swedish person ever? Um, so yeah, uh, you found out last week that apparently we have a lot of uh, listeners from Sweden. Sweden, yes. Hello, sunny Sweden. We have we, no we idea why. why. Yeah, <laughs> why? So, please tell if us. If you're currently listening to us from one of the seven or eight towns in Sweden, please drop us a line. How did you find the show? And what you love about it, and um, I'll send you some stickers. So I do, do have a working theory, Kelvin. Oh, I think it's it could a be a Spotify. I think it could be a Spotify thing. Oh, because Spotify mm. is Swedish, isn't it? Oh yeah, that uh, okay. Mm. I didn't think about that angle, but uh, it is. Yeah, it is, is it? It, they, they do come from Sweden. Uh, sometimes it's called uh. Swed- Swedify. No, but uh, I, I think. <laughs> You know, Spotify can be localized and maybe we've been featured in the Spotify podcast universe. Possible. I think you're right, but mm. a little part of me just wants some small Swedish town to just, I mean, you know, I, find I, the I show, because, love it. Yeah, I'm saying this because uh, if you drill down into the you know, data, what little data we have from Wushka still, because uh, they're not giving us much now. Um, they have a new, uh, you know, paying model, subscription model. Um, mm-hmm. But Spotify downloads are like have gone through the roof. So wow. that, that is the working theory I've got, got going right now. Yeah. Okay. So uh, to all mm-hmm. our Spotify listeners, welcome. Uh, tell us what you like about the show and I'll send you a sticker. Everybody gets stickers. Just just tell well, us what you think. Sounds like you want, you guys might get one before I do. I'm just saying. <laughs> Dude, it's it's blaming on COVID. Yeah, so Sweden. Uh, Sweden is one of those countries uh, that that are not going through a lockdown. Mm, not that I know of. Controversial. Controversial. Well, is it? I mean, definitely controversial in, from one angle. But uh, I mean, I haven't read through that part of it too much in the last couple of weeks. But uh, last time I heard that they weren't. I mean. Sweden is a sort of culture that already practices social distancing, so I hear, in, in a lot of ways. Um, not saying anything about that culture, but like, you know, it's, it's a very, you know, they're, they're clean. Uh, I, I haven't been there, but I imagine all the, all the cities, there's, there's no rubbish in the gutters or anything like that. So I, it kind of makes sense. Um, but this is just meant to be a segue for our COVID safe app situation. So this is a quick follow up from the last probably three or four weeks. Kelvin, um, yeah. there seems to be new updates now. We're we're up to four, five point three billion, uh, five point mm. three billion downloads, and here's just a quick clip on that. Australians have shown time and again in this pandemic that they're a pretty compliant lot. The take-up rate of the COVID Safe app only proves the point. More than five million people have installed it on their phones in just ten days. So basically, we are very good slaves. Well done, Australia, for being good slaves. <laughs> good boys and girls. Yeah, I know we're in Asia, but like you don't have to submit like that so easily. Um, okay, that was okay. Um, now, 5.3 is pretty good, I think. 
it's probably more than what I would have expected. However, um, hasn't been more. without issues. Let's talk about one of the big ones, which is uh, iPhones. So, the did you know about this uh, agency called DTA? It's the Data Transformation Agency, mm. and you have heard about it, yeah. So they, you know, yep. it, it's all about you know creating apps, having a unified sign-on for all our government, you know, services online. And I, I got to admit, I think uh, that they've done a pretty good job with that over the last you know three four years. Um, However, in this situation, they've had to very quickly scrunch up a few coders here and there and uh, reuse the Singapore app that was used for that that contact tracing purposes. Um, now, Randall Brugard, Brugard um, he's the CEO of that uh, organization, and he was at the Senate inquiry, and he had this to say. There will be circumstances where the app will not capture a Bluetooth handshake. We are working through the process to make that even better. Yeah, so that's just a very short statement, um, but saying that for iOS devices, uh, it pretty much has to be running in the foreground for the handshakes to happen. Mm. So, and we spoke about this. We spoke about this in the last episode. The the kernels within iOS and Android, just just based on the, 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 the operating system, they don't like Bluetooth running in the background. Mm-hmm. They don't like anything running in the background, right? That the, the, the operating system was designed to say, hey, you're not meant to be doing this when the app isn't open. Yeah, and, and it's not as if, uh, and, and it's more, more of a uh, battery draining feature rather than a privacy feature, as I understand it from mm. iOS. So, you know, with, with the new API that they're developing, and it's in, like, uh, they're calling it the Exposure Notification API. Um, so this is in the iOS 13.5 in, uh, in beta 4 at the moment. So how many betas are there usually? So I think maybe maybe the next one could be the real thing. Um, so this is going to be an opt-in feature, as we talked about last week. Um, it's unclear to me, though, if the background issue um, is going to be better with this API. I mean, like, there's people talk people talking about it, but there's nothing in the documentation that I've seen from Apple to suggest this. <laughs> so, um, and and I haven't really gone into what the reports are from beta, uh, the beta testing either. So, it remains to be seen. Um, I think Australia is one of these odd markets where iOS devices is still the majority, as in more than fifty percent. Um, you know, uh, I mean, Mother's Day last weekend so i had a bit of a catch up with the family uh and you know just it's, it's just staggering how little they know about what, what this is and um it, it could like, i feel like there could be a unintended co- consequence here in that you know the government is pushing this so hard and they're, they're telling it as if this is going to save everyone's situation but it's not like there's there's a number of hurdles you have to get over for this to work right but like my my mum thinks like I help helped her install it and she's like oh, I feel I feel safer going out now because um, it the phone's gonna buzz me when someone with COVID would <laughs> walks past her it'll it'll tell her I was like ah uh, no that's that's, that's not how it works mom yeah um, no but I think I, mean, I think a lot of people still think that well if if they take the drones that we spoke about last week that can detect you know what mm-hmm. a COVID patient might look like and you know. Do something yeah. about it, then yeah. But it's it's a it's 
it's such a like this dystopian worldview that people want and they're hoping that this app will give it to them like they're hoping that technology can solve all their issues but we don't have the technology for that hell we don't have the regulation to to support a technology like that um no and privacy and everything like it's it's not going to work out the the way they want it to work Mm. yeah so it's somewhat depressing me a little bit um i still haven't installed it obviously Mm. um i I see no use for it at the moment uh even my doctor friends like they don't really understand how the app works and and they've been told to advise their patients and I, i i think we're just sort of treading dangerous waters right now because there's this notion that the app is just going to protect you somehow. Just just by installing it, it's going to protect you, um, hmm. which gives a false sense of confidence, right? Yeah, anyway, totally. we'll see how that plays out. I think um, you know a lot of this we we talked about in the last couple of weeks. So I, I would say this is probably the last we're going to talk about the app, at least for the time being. Hopefully, because <laughs> I'm kind of sick of it. <laughs> Unless there's a massive screw up coming in the coming weeks, then we'll probably have to come bring it up again. Yeah. Um, just just a quick uh, follow-up, another follow-up from last week. Um, I think uh, I, I made a comment, Calvin, that uh, mm. Elon Musk is pretty much the new Trump. And you, mm. you were a bit surprised with that comment. Yeah. I'm going to have Emily Chang from Bloomberg Technology News, executive producer and journalist. She's going to read out some tweets. Got the tweet from the president here. California should let Tesla and Elon Musk open the plant now. It can be done fast and safely. Musk tweeting back, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> should, I, should I make that an ISO? I love that. Thank, yeah, thank y- you. Yes, please. Yes, please. Um, yeah, so uh, we, we're going to probably do this on a weekly basis as well. So let's call it Muskwatch. Um, so he is defying the California Californian government. Uh, by getting people to come back to the Tesla factory in Fremont in LA because he, um, I think earlier he threatened to move the whole operation into Texas or Nevada maybe. Um, yeah, so this, you know, um, just just like Trump trolls the internet, this is Elon now. You know, all it takes is for one poor, you know, worker at the Tesla factory to contract COVID and it's all game over, right? doesn't matter if someone goes to jail. Well, I think that, I mean, the government has also threatened Elon Musk about that too. So, you know, he's he definitely plays at the edges. Now, Elon Musk, he's he was also on Joe Rogan. Again. The Joe Rogan Experience Podcast Part 2. Didn't go so well for him last time, so a bit of a surprise for him to be there again. Um, the big talking point for me was about the baby's name. Uh, here's mm-hmm. Joe Rogan asking how to pronounce it. What? How do you say the name? <laughs> is it a placeholder? Yeah, first of all, my partner is the one that uh, actually mostly came up with the name. Congratulations to her. Yeah, yeah, she's great at names. Um, so, I mean, it's just X, the letter X. Um, and then the A-E is like pronounced Ash. Um, <laughs> and then uh, A-12, A-12 is my contribution. Oh, why A-12? Uh, Archangel 12, the precursor to the SR-71. Coolest plane ever. <laughs> Coolest and probably the deadliest plane ever. Uh, yeah, it makes sense, I guess. He's into aviation. He's into aero, uh, aeronautics. Um, but yeah, uh, so what is the name again? It's X-A-12. 
he just said that she's good at names. Mm. She this also speaks kind of, Elvin. This says otherwise. Poor yeah. kid, though. Poor kid. Poor like, kid. Yeah, um, I, I think he's going to be called Ash. He or she. Not determined yet. Um, and it's very unlikely that uh, in, in the birth certificate, I mean, you, you, this is, you, you have more experience in having a child and naming them at the hospital. Like, do you have, do you have to sign it like straight after or what's the No. So in New South Wales, you have 60 days, I think. So you don't have to sign a birth certificate at all for 60 days. Yeah. What? It's uh, it's baby of. Uh. Yeah. Uh, okay. I see. So you don't have to, but. Yeah. Even if you do, this still looks like a barcode. You know what I mean? It won't change anything. <laughs> well, there's there's uh, there's a law or a guideline in the in the baby names, um, whatever law there is in California to say that you can't use numbers or special characters, and it's full of them. Really? Yeah. I didn't so know that. There's a theory that. That, that that's not actually. This is just a big troll. Uh, uh, just because he, you know, he put that on a tweet somewhere, and then, I mean, there's. I think I clipped the whole article about how Grimes. Um, explain to someone how how she came up with the name and what it means. Some some people think it actually spells Kyle because the X is like a Kai in ancient Greek, mm. and the you know the AE could be a AI, and then A twelve twelfth letter of the alphabet is L. So pe- some people think it's Kyle, and some, I think that's uh, uh, Elon's brother's name uh, too. So yeah, Carl Musk. Kyle Musk. Ash Musk. Ash Musk. Mm. Carl's better. Yeah. Carl's way better. Mm. Um, one, one other clip from the, just from the podcast quickly was uh, just a follow-up from uh, his stuff with Neuralink. So that's probably the part that people don't realize. I think when you hear Elon Musk's name, what do you think? You think electric cars, you think spaceships going to the moon, uh, Mars, sorry, and what the flamethrowers yes yeah. and, and twitter uh, but not people yeah. not many people think about how we gonna build a brain to computer interface which is what Neuralink is uh so here is joe asking about that um let me just set this up properly yeah so i think uh sorry elon's gonna talk about how this the, the first iteration is just gonna be mostly for uh, disabled people that cannot communicate like we can um, and possible timelines in how that communication changes. Really, in the first few versions, all we're going to be trying to do is, is solve brain injuries. Um. So, so it's like, don't, don't, don't worry that this is not going to sneak up on you. <laughs> this, this, this will take a while. How many years before you don't have to talk? If, if the development continues to accelerate, then maybe like five years Five to ten years. That's quick. That's really quick. That's, that's not, the best case scenario. No talking anymore. No talking anymore. I don't know what happened to podcasts, Kelvin. What? We don't have to talk. We'll just sit here and just use like, you know, radio waves or something and just transmit our thoughts into people's minds. Is that through um, Spotify still? <laughs> probably. What happens Go to Spotify? Sweden. What happens to yeah. music when we don't need to listen to things to communicate? Hmm. There's, there still needs to be a transmission point and a receiver point, right? Like people, there still needs, there still needs to be ins and outs. Um, the thing that always baffled me about technology that uses brainwaves to communicate, there's just so much happening in my head. 
you know, what I say is not what I think. How are they going to filter that? And wasn't there AI a whole, and machine learning? Maybe wasn't there a whole Black Mirror episode about this? You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm sure there's several communicate. episodes about this. I, I think the whole Black Mirror anthology is about this, actually. <laughs> yeah, but also there's a whole Facebook um, TV show on this called Limetown. It was based off a very popular podcast that I loved, mm. um, where it basically killed everyone because the noise that comes from listening to people's thoughts and brainwaves is a very complex thing, and it, yeah. it just kills the amount, like the amount of of processing you know your brain can do just to listen into that and process that is it's insane yeah so i think i I played this clip because um you know five five to ten years for us to like not talk to communicate is a bit of a um, clickbaity headline right so a lot lot of these Mm. um outlets uh have talked about that you've got one on the screen at the moment i have i think it was taken a little bit out of context so he, he did mention this is for the first iteration which is for disabled uh, people out there, um, you know, they're either quadriplegics. Um, they have to use like a, you know, like a, like a pen type thing to, you know, type in letter by letter to communicate to people. Like, you know, you would you would think um, that this is going to help them, you know, incredibly <clears throat> well um, if if it actually works. Even even just to um, you know, communicate in a, in a, in a very limited way as well. It, it's, it's a lot better than the current situation. So, um, I think that's what he's talking about. It's like for those people to be like communicating without speech five to 10 years. So, mm. I mean, yeah, so it's not everyone like obviously yeah. you're going to, you're going to need these things in your, in your head. And he did talk about how the, the hole in your skull is actually going to be, uh, like an inch in diameter. Can you imagine that? Like a, one inch diameter hole in your head for this to, I mean, this is first iteration, right? So by, by the year 2035, are we talking about like a tiny, tiny hole, like a nano, nano scale type thing? Not sure. And, and also depending on how the coronavirus and COVID goes, would we spend medical resources doing things like this? Everything will slow down, I think. Well, I mean that that's an interesting question because like a lot of the technology things have actually uh, escalated, right? Mm. <laughs> someone someone said the quote the other day: um, the biggest digital disruptor is like a COVID pandemic. Yeah, um, like when it comes to video conferencing, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I think we can move on from Elon. Uh, that's two weeks of Elon as well, so I'll try not to clip any Elon clips from now on. <laughs> Hashtag We've got some no other more hashtag that. Um, should we? What should we go on to next? Um, are there? Let's talk about Chris Hemsworth. I know this is a bit of a left field topic. Elon to talk Musk about. to Chris Hemsworth. Hey, that's what we do here. Um, so I caught this article on The Verge uh, where Chris Hemsworth's app called Center, you know, C E N T R. Um, has been charging people when they weren't meant to. So it's one of those typical apps where you sign up for a free trial and when, when it's over, they charge you a lot of money to keep using the app. In this case, it's 99 US dollars after six weeks of, uh, of, of having free content. Um, but apparently they just started charging people, you know, even before the trial is over or even when people canceled their accounts, they were getting charged. It was a huge mess, a lot of hate on Instagram, Twitter. Um, there's a couple of examples now I'm showing on Twitch. Um, you know, Brookie 
Brooke IEK2323. I just got charged for a subscription after canceling the program. I'm so pissed off right now. I lose my job. My the company takes my money. I want a refund Jesus. right now. So it's all over the place. I the the way I read this, they've got no comments obviously from Chris or Center, but I think it's an honest mistake. I think there must be a you know a clerical error somewhere. But what I start to read about was this concept of dark patents and how people configure these apps, websites, and, and interactions to trick users into you know spending money. Um, obviously, I you know was reading the comments because I was, thought it was quite funny, and I decided to look into it a little bit. So here's a great YouTube channel um, called Nerdwriter explaining what exactly dark a dark you know uh, pattern looks like and what it is. Dark patterns are features of interface design crafted to trick users into doing things that they might not want to do, but which benefit the business in question. So there are different patterns that uh, that people use to take your money. In this particular case of Center, it's called the Roach Motel. And uh, nerd writers can just can explain a bit more about what, exact, what that is exactly. UX specialist Harry Brignall categorizes this specific kind of dark pattern as a roach motel, a design that makes it very easy for you to get into a situation, but very hard to get out. Brignall is actually the one who coined the term dark pattern in 2010, and he's been cataloging and lecturing about the issue ever since. Many of these dark patterns we're all familiar with. I only have to search my email for a few seconds to find one. For example, here, I'm getting spam emails from Architectural Digest. I scroll down and look at that. This is a mess, but it's a mess on purpose. The unsubscribe link is here, but it's devilishly hard to see. That's because it's the same font and virtually the same color as the rest of the fine print. Here's another dark pattern that uses color to misdirect. Over at the user testing blog, Jennifer Jerome points out that the mobile game Two Dots carries you through the experience by offering green buttons. A green button to start the game, a green button to pick a level, a green button to start the level, and three green buttons to continue to the next level, and so on. But once you lose a level, the color scheme changes. The first green button you see leads you right to an in-app purchase, while the continue button is just a little X that blends into the larger element. I, want I think I've watched that uh, episode already. Yeah, so I've yeah. never come across this particular view of user experience on apps and websites, and I found it really intriguing that there's a whole study on a lot of these dodgy practices. Like I've, I've actually fallen for one before. Um, it was on a Supercell game. I was just, you know, opening my free chest chests. Um, and before you know it, I, I clicked on buying 150 crystals. And because I didn't have the um, Apple iOS protection of scanning my fingerprint before buying something, bam, immediately oh. I was charged some money. Really? So, or... What I also suspect happened was I'd like to rest my finger on the button and just play with it sometimes. Uh -huh. Okay. So while I was clicking the button on my left hand, I must have just, the, the, the timing was just perfect for me to actually press the fingerprint ID on the right side. So it was like, click, click. I was like, crap. Uh, but thankfully I got refunded um, because I think, you know, people are protected from things like that. But if someone like me who understands a little bit about UX, who, you know, uses a lot of technology can just, you know, accidentally make a purchase like this, you can imagine kids or moms or dads and people who, you know, unknowingly do these things. And the fact that there are apps 
being specifically designed to do this, I think they should all be named and shamed. Is there a ethical element to this? I mean, is it like, I feel like it's just part of business on the web. You know what I mean? I agree. I don't think it's ethical. I think it's moral. Um, Mm. I, I feel like, sure, you can make money is it's a question of should you um, but i mean i mean like uh there's a lot of guidelines and uh, standards to say you know a, a website has to be accessible right um and i guess i guess if you're mm, it's it's not by law though is it it's you, you can't it's not illegal to have a site that's inaccessible however if you're a say like a big bank um where <laughs> Uh, customers rely on all your services, like all customers rely on the services of that bank. Um, the government can, through you know, organisations like APRA and ASIC, um, you know, have that big stick to say, "Yep, it has to be available for everyone." So I don't know. Yeah. Like, obviously, obviously, well, I mean, hmm, I got to be a bit careful here, but like, you know, banks would do this in a slightly different way. You could, mm. you could like, where where would you draw this line exactly, like? Dark I, to acceptable levels. To gray. <laughs> yeah. um, in the case of two dots, they were using colors to trick the mind into making a Pavlovian response. And it, what's oh, also you scary... You might have to explain that one day. I, I actually know about it, the Pavlovian, <laughs> to do with dogs, so, right? <laughs> correct. So, Pavlovian yeah. response, uh, Pavlov, poor dog, in the 70s, um, there was an experiment being done where the dog, they would measure how much the dog was salivating based on this experiment they did. So there was a light that went on and food would be given. They did that over and over again. After a certain point, they just showed the light and the dog just went, you know, would salivate. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you how they measured that salivation because it was cruel AF. Um, so what they're doing here is green, green, green button, green button, green button's good. All of a sudden, you know, purchase something is also a green button. You get tricked into it. You click on it, yeah. you buy it. It becomes a Pavlovian response. What is scary is there are a lot of companies like banks who now have behavioral science teams who understand these concepts. I'm going to believe that a lot of these behavioral teams do the good thing, do the right thing, helping people remember, helping people, um, you know, financially, you know, better themselves. But I swear to God, there are a lot of companies out there who probably use these behavioral teams for different purposes that are immoral. Um, We're also at an age where, um, you know, obviously machine learning will actually set up these experiments automatically and just tell mm. the business, actually, you know, green, like we just tried green just randomly because it's a random color and that mm. works. That that drives more sales. Therefore, this experiment wins. So it, it could be like that as well. And like to me, I mean... Yes, that's and and maybe I am too close to this industry to <laughs> to say so because uh, yes, it is a gray area. Um, I think there's definitely like actual nefarious, uh, you know, practices by tricking people. Um, but getting a sale is, you know, at the end of the day, mm. it is kind of like trying to trick people without being upfront about it, maybe. Yeah, and, and you know what, like it happens all the time, right? Like, you know, the, the moving the buttons and moving the prices and there's so many theories about, you know, if you go from lowest price to highest price from left to right, but then you put the highest price in the middle, mm. 
or the middle price in the middle and things like they've tested everything and you know human minds are super complex um yeah. it's quite easy to trick us um just, no, uh, I, I ha- yeah it's uh sorry you finish what were you gonna say no i just i had a really good sort of you know time looking into this and uh yeah i, I like i like you know what this does for the show as well for the podcast i feel like you know we cover a lot of recent events at the beginning of the show and we can chat about more in-depth topics like this Mm. um and uh, it'll be interesting to see you know what what else we can cover in future shows that's right uh more of the same please kelvin i like that one Mm. um okay from chris hemsworth i don't know if he really discussed chris hemsworth like really but sarah lane we're going to sarah lane from dtns uh daily tech news show podcast um she's going to be talking about google and it's Hmm. Somewhat hmm. complicated world of messaging apps. Uh, the, the update on that. Google announced it would bring its collective communication products under the oversight of VP and GM of G Suite, Javier Soltero. This now includes Messages, Duo, the phone app on Android, Google Meet, Google Chat, already part of G Suite, Speaking to The Verge, Soltero said there are no immediate plans to change or integrate any of Google's messaging apps and that the company believes people chose Google's messaging apps for specific purposes. I don't know if you heard it there, but like in the background, Who's the other, other podcasts are just like cracking up because, hey, uh, hasn't this happened before? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, poor Google. This is really bad. This is mm. really bad for Google. I mean, they pride themselves in simplicity, you know, Google.com will never change, but they can't figure out one chat app. It's just like, look at Facebook Messenger, right? It's got a lot of things attached to it, but it's one single app and the direction is clear. I think the problem is, yeah, I mean, maybe in the Facebook way of uh, build fast and break things, they've obviously done this. They've got a lot of products. They also acquire a lot of companies that have all these features, so they become part of the the suite of products. So right now they've got Google Meet, which is an enterprise product, but they've just released it to the public for free, which is great. I haven't used it yet. Um, should try it out. Uh, there's Google Chat as well. I guess that's the chat that you get in your Gmail. Would it be? See, <laughs> I don't. I don't know anymore. They're all just blending together for me. Yeah. Um, and there's the phone app, and um, I guess there's the messages on Android as well, which is not. I mean, I would have thought, yeah, Android, let's just connect that with Google, but that hasn't happened. Um, there's Duo, and there was one other thing that just got killed recently too. So the story is that all of these products are going under the one guy, Javier Soltero. Um, he runs the G Suite, so which is the enterprise arm of Google. Uh, so that you know, he literally said, oh, we're not going to consolidate anything. It's not on the roadmap, so... The news is it's all under one person. So is that better than nothing? Maybe there's some Not, coherency coming from that. Maybe it's for mm. like, I, I. But if, if what exactly is Google going for? I mean, just on face value, right? Like on paper, this is such a bad idea, mm. in the sense that having so many products all do predominantly the same basic thing. If it's so apparent to us, what are we missing here? What exactly is Google trying to do here with all these separate chat apps? I mean, I, I totally see it because, you know, I work for a big organization and, you know, some someone might have a great idea or some new person has been hired 
um, that works in this sort of random division on the side and say, hey, we're just going to go fast and build this actually cool thing and it's actually really great, um, amazing UX and uh, you know, in the testing, users love it. So the other guy said, "Hey, well, let's uh, let's try to you know uh, integrate with that somehow." And you know, five years later, there's like ten different chat apps. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Have 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 the balls mm-hmm. to close some of them. You know, I, I, it's I, I'm sure it's tough. I'm sure you know they're looking at the user numbers yep. and teams don't want to let go of things, but it has to come from the top. And hopefully, Sotero um, can be that leader. Well, Kelvin, there's another Google uh, product set that is confusing. Music. What did I have? Uh, People play music. Yes. YouTube music. U- YouTube. YouTube music. What else? Oh, yeah. okay. You're saying just YouTube? Yeah. Um, well, that's probably it in, in terms of like streaming, you know, music service. Uh, and they did announce this a fair, fair way back. But um, as of this week, uh, users of Google Play Music have been uh, asked to transfer, I guess, uh, all their data because you know how, like, audio Andy, if you're listening, you, you probably use Google Play Music because I think it has the, the highest bit rate. And um, for those, you know, way back when we used to, you know, rip CDs and have our own collection, uh, you were able to upload those rips into Google Play Music. Um, but now you should be doing that to YouTube Music. So it all sort of, there's a one button simple process where you can say, hey, I want to transfer all my stuff on Google Play Music to YouTube Music. Um, and here is Ayaz Yakta just talking about that experience. All right, Google is ready to get Google Play Music users like me over to YouTube Music. <sighs> You'll receive an email saying that you can transfer everything from Google Play Music over to YouTube Music. You should be able to head over to music.youtube.com transfer to start the fun. Are you a Google Play Music user? Yeah, I've recently been listening to more YouTube music. Like, I don't mind the app as well. Like, I I subscribe to um, YouTube Red, so it gives me uh, all the Google Music services. So it's like uh, YouTube Red, not uh, the other one, YouTube Red. Yeah, so we run you know, YouTube it's, Premium, it's, by the way. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, I'm I'm still sticking to that one. Um, so yeah, I I listen to it. I don't I don't have a Spotify account. Um, so. I'm I'm okay with this. I, I think you know I'm I'm but I'm a bit of a mainstream listener, unlike yourself, where you're a retired music blogger and you probably listen to more, <laughs> you know, more up and coming stuff. But it works for me. The, the UI is okay. Uh, more interestingly enough, they've separated podcasts into its own app, uh, and that recently got a big overhaul. So mm. uh, for uh, for us, you know, podcast listeners, I think that's good. Mm. Yeah, actually, I need to talk to you about that because uh, I think we need to submit the Google Podcast feed anyway. Um, something we need to <laughs> maybe do in the next week or so. Um, yeah, but I, I just don't like the name YouTube Music. I mean, like those two things don't seem to go together unless this is really for the millennials or mm-hmm. generalizing Z or whatever, where you know people go to well, those guys go to YouTube for music, but like why call it YouTube Music? It's just YouTube. Yeah, but I think, well, you know, I think it's it's to separate video and audio. Um, and YouTube is a great brand. I think it's way better than Google Play. I think Google's been trying to make Google Play a thing for the longest time now. Um, and it doesn't really do anything. You know, I'm an Android user, and I'm not quite sure what the whole point of Google Play is. 
Um, you log in, you get a couple of trophies and achievements, and that's it. But then there's a music attachment to it. So I think it's to separate the Google Play app mm. versus Google Play Music. Um, and entertainment of you know audio and visual on one side and gaming on one side. Um, but yeah, Google needs help with their branding and their product segmentation because it's a mess. Yeah, so hopefully consolidation happening as we speak. Now I've I've put it in the uh, the show notes, but um, there is a website that someone put together called KilledByGoogle.com. I don't know if you want to just bring that up on the screen, but like yeah, uh, it I will. Ba- basically lists lists all the things that have died over the years, and it, it dates back to like last decade, actually two decades ago. <laughs> um, the one yeah. the one that always sticks in my mind is Google Wave. I don't know why. Um, let's try the search here. Yeah, it's definitely there. When was yeah, Google called? Wave. Yeah. 2012. Yeah, wow. I didn't mind like, it at all. I remember using it. It was a great product. It was probably eight years ahead of its time. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, SharePoint and, you know, like everything is using similar type thing. But back then, like being able to edit a document in real time and collaborate, mm. collaborate on real time and you can see, you know, someone's name as a cursor, you know, it's all happening in real time. That was like... That was mind-blowing back in 2010, whatever it was. Um, but did you know AngularJS is uh, being sunset? I, no, I only just I, found I, out. I, I want to talk about that because it was the bee's knees. I remember developers going, hey, Kelvin, we should build this in Angular. It would be great for the mm-hmm. website. Yeah. And now they're killing it. Yep. Yeah, that's going to June 2021. That's going to cause a lot of headaches for a lot of websites. <laughs> Good luck, Jeff. Um, <sighs> what's neighborly anyway? We could spend a whole episode going through this list. I think that'd be fun. It would be, yeah. Um, that's all I got for this week, Calvin. Unless uh, you want to talk about some some other ones. Hey, the fact that we covered Elon Musk, Chris Hemsworth, and the things that Google killed—I think that is all for episode one forty-four. Um, to listen to all one hundred forty-three other episodes, please go to the website. Uh, that's takeatechpodcast.com. You can also find us on all the different social networks. In the meantime, please let us know what you think. Leave five stars. Kelv out. Jeff out. Five stars, please. What the hell is one today? One today, two tomorrow. It was an app that allowed you to donate a dollar to different organizations. Hmm. Let me bring it up. Ah, too, too much. Did you see Wait, the uh, they killed, PS5? They demo? killed Daydream? What was Daydream? Oh, the VR. VR. <laughs> yeah, seven months what ago. What the hell? <laughs> what was that again? Was that just the phone VR? No, it was the hardware devices and everything, the platform. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's a pretty extensive list. They killed YouTube gaming? Did they? No, they didn't. Yeah, Google, it's here. Google Trips? Google Trips? I was using that just last year.